see what happens when people would prefer to detach their emotions from their financial decisions and actions. It's not ideal. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life where we take the time to explore the intersections of the psychology and emotions of money while respecting the math of it. Because, you know, these are the elements that impact your results, your feelings, and your experiences. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I am really, really glad you've taken the time to tune in today. About a month ago, I was interviewed by Michelle Fox of CNBC for a piece that ran on their blog, the title of which is Two-Thirds of Investors Regret Emotional Impulsive Investing Decisions. Here's how not to be one of them. If you Google CNBC along with my name and the word emotional, it'll pop up and should be at the top of your feed in case you want to check it out. As you might imagine, after 30 plus years in the financial services industry and working with people across the income and wealth spectrums, I've seen a lot. Believe you me. I have had and I continue to have the privilege of sitting alongside folks as they work to manage the different ways in which their emotions influence their behavior, choices, and results. Hence, I have a front row seat to what happens when some people embrace their emotions. Likewise, I see what happens when some people would prefer to detach their emotions from their financial decisions and actions. This matches with the focus of Michelle's piece. She taps into a sentiment I hear expressed, if not in words, then in attitude, and some might even say cultural messaging. It's the idea that the less emotional you are, the more heroic you are. It's as if being non-emotional is somehow a badge of honor. As I mentioned during my conversation with Michelle, it's kind of crazy because we're humans. Thus, we are emotional beings. That means it is futile to try and not to be emotional especially when it comes to money. I really, truly believe this. And perhaps you gleaned this from episode 99 when I talked about power. I think one of the best ways to harness your financial power is to acknowledge your feelings and use that insight to help you take informed action. In my opinion, and from my observation, it is much better than denying or suppressing your emotions. Because let's face it, life has given you and me enough feedback to confirm that it is not effective, whether it's any, you know, regardless of the area of your life, but especially in the realm of money, it is not effective to try to deny and suppress your emotions. Speaking of, since you deal with money and emotions all the time, Today, I thought I'd use this space to make a case, or maybe even more so make a case for embracing your emotions, 
especially if you are still teetering on the ledge and you're not really fully on the money slash emotions bandwagon. And so I want to make a couple of points. The first one is to recognize that we're dealing with a spectrum. I believe part of the issue when it comes to emotions and money is this tendency to label some emotions as good and others as bad. Those labels end up putting a value judgment though on how you're feeling. And this value may be misplaced. That's why I prefer to think of emotions as existing within a spectrum. This way you avoid the trap of labeling, for example, fear as a bad emotion when it may actually save you from making a costly mistake. Similarly, you'll avoid the trap of labeling confidence as a good emotion when it may be the reason you don't ask the right questions or the right follow-up questions, which could also result in a costly mistake. That's point one. Point two has to deal with risk. Most often, people focus on one type of risk, the one that poses the greatest threat of potentially losing something. What frequently gets overlooked, though, is opportunity cost, which is another type of risk. So when you acknowledge your emotions, they can actually help you determine which risk you are prioritizing. My third point, do you seek help? Your emotions can play a significant role in whether or not you raise your hand and ask for help. However, from what I've observed, people know when they need help. They get stuck though. They get stuck asking for it because of why they need it. They lean way too much into feeling embarrassed or ashamed about why they need the help and not so much because they need the help. You may need to think about that for a minute. Here's my fourth point. There are a variety of factors that influence your emotions and dare I be bold enough to say your emotional baggage. We're all carrying some of it. One factor is your upbringing, your family and your cultural influences. Another, your community, your friends, your peers, your colleagues. Another, your own experiences, including what you would claim as your wins and your lessons. And yet another, messaging, messaging from the financial services industry, messaging from the media. And here's the thing, your relationships with each of these factors, your upbringing, your community, your own experiences, and the messaging that you take in, none of that is static. Neither are your emotions associated with these factors, particularly when they overlap with some aspect of your money. I'm not done yet, but I'll be out of your ear in just a second. In addition to the points that I've just shared, we also must dispel a few important myths. It's a myth to believe rich and wealthy people 
are precluded from financial challenges, questions, and frustrations. They simply have more resources at their disposal to handle them. Similarly, just because someone isn't rich or wealthy doesn't mean they don't handle their money well. It's also a myth to believe that investing time, energy, and resources to better understand your relationship with money and what you want it to do for you is only reserved for those moments when you feel strapped. Think about it. Can you imagine a professional athlete only working with a coach when they were in a slump? Yeah, right. They don't do that. So you don't need to raise your hand when you are strapped or, you know, in the midst of a particular challenge or steep in a question you can't answer. Sometimes it's good to raise your hand and say, hey, things are fantastic. I want to go to another level. How can I do that? But back to the beginning and my overall point about emotions and how emotions matter. They matter because they have an impact on your stress level, your mental health, and potentially on the health of some of your key relationships. This is one truth. It's also true that you need to feel emotionally safe in order to take whatever may be your next steps, however small or large those steps may be. Being emotional is natural. Again, so it is futile and unnatural to try and not be emotional. But the article that inspired this was about being emotional and imp impulsive. Being emotional is not a choice. But being impulsive, now that is entirely a choice. And thanks to 30 plus years and counting in the financial services industry, I know the distinction between being emotional and being impulsive is yet another truth worth highlighting. Well, that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way until the end. Again, if you want to join us in September and work on your pricing, please go to jaquettetimmons.com forward slash pricing dash masterclass. You can learn more there and RSVP there too. If you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast or maybe this episode, please share it so we can reach more people. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash jaquette. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash jaquette. Again, tremendous thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I'll be back next week. I hope you will too. Until next time, remember, it's about more than money.